Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, again, if you would take uh, your copy of God's Word and turn to Job chapter 1. Uh, again, we, we look at verse 1 and then we look at chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 as we um, as we look at this idea of Job the golden boy the the golden uh, character in scripture it, it causes me to reflect on all of the in- initials that we have and that we throw around in society today initials such as ADD and ADHD and and OCD uh, they're just a few of, of the initials that are thrown around, especially when talking about our children or our, our youth. Uh, we, we, we medicate our children often when, they, when they're, we're going to come to find, find out that they have uh, some of these in, initials or these uh, disorders. These, we, we provide therapies in hopes of fixing some of, of the, the problems that exist, maybe deep within their, their uh, personality or their psyche. Uh, and when things are a bit different, I think sometimes society uh, assumes that there must be an answer and it must exist within uh, the individual. It must be some type of developmental delay or it must be uh, some type of uh, struggle that the individual has. Now, I don't want to seem insensitive for those who, who truly struggle with mental d- disorders or, or difficulties. I, I myself uh, have a little touch of ADD and, and OCD, and Sarah would definitely attest to. Uh, she calls me OCD about every other day in my house as I go around trying to keep everything in its place. And uh, I think we probably had a couple of OCD folks running around here this morning. Uh, if we're all honest with ourselves, I think we all have a touch of OCD. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, we care intensely about the things that we are passionate about. And so uh, that often gets called OCD, uh, again, by our society. And, and, and the society would declare, let's medicate that person. Let's, let's, uh, uh, let's use some psychology and let's try to get into their, their psyche and, and, and fix them to solve those problems. But here, you know, some of the stories um, that Sarah has shared, who's been teaching, my wife's been teaching for 11 years, uh, and then my mom, who taught kindergarten for over 30 years. uh, I've heard so many stories of children that were diagnosed with uh, all these initials, all these disorders, and when when really all they needed was just some good discipline, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, it seems like sometimes today that has been lost. Uh, if I was squirmy in my, in my chair uh, at church, uh, there was uh, something called the stern look that I would get. That was the warning, and the only warning I would get. And then I would get dragged out, uh, blood-curling uh, cries uh, as we went to the bathroom, and I got my whooping. So uh, we didn't have initials that saved me when I was a child. I, 
I would have loved to have had those initials and maybe those medications. Uh, at least I would have preferred those on myself. Uh, I, again, I don't want to seem insensitive. There are some serious uh, situations where people do uh, need those type of therapies, and those things are very valuable. But there are many uh, children, and there are many in our culture and our society that, that overdo it, I believe, when it comes to some of these concerns. I also want to take a moment to brag on my niece, Anna. Now, she's not one of these squirmy little children that I'm talking about. She's not one that can't sit still. In fact, she can sit still for as long as you tell her to. And, and she does everything you ask her. Uh, she's just the, the perfect child, really, in a lot of ways. Uh, she wants to, to mind you. She cannot stand to disappoint you. Uh, there have been times where she's disappointed uh, her, especially she does not want to disappoint uh, her, her grandma or her grandpa. If they are disappointed in her, she just breaks down in tears. I mean, she just cries because she does not like to be in trouble. Uh, she is one of these children who just wants to please. Maybe she'll grow up to be one of these people pleasers that have another initial thrown at them, uh, a different kind of initial. See, it doesn't matter if you're good or if you're uh, a, a handful, you're going to get diagnosed with something. Uh, and so uh, it, it so exists the personality of the golden child. Uh, that uh, Oftentimes we throw around that term for the child who seems to mind, who seems not to give us much trouble, who wasn't very difficult to get in bed or to, to put down when they were a, a baby. They just seemed to sleep all the way through the night. In fact, she would sleep like nine, ten hours. Yes, I mean, she every night uh, she would do this. And then she took a nap in the afternoon. Uh, so again, she was just seemed to be, the, the, again, the golden child, the golden standard. And, and it makes me uh, ponder, is there such a thing? Does it exist that some children are just blessed that way? They're going to be perfect. They're going to be mindful of authority and of those that, uh, that, that lead them, um, as in their parents and their grandparents and uh, adults and their elders. On the flip side, is there something that's within us in some of us that is innately bad and, and wishes to come out, to, to come to the surface? Uh, do, are we mostly good or mostly bad? These are questions that we've pondered for years, uh, for decades, for centuries even. Although I won't attempt to, to answer those questions today, and, and we won't really do that here when we look at our text this morning, it is an appropriate starting point to approach the book of Job. Because it's, as we look at the book of Job, we're told right off the bat how, how, much, how much of a characteristic uh, that he is, uh, that how, many, how many characteristics he has that so many would envy. That so many in the land, it says again in Job chapter 1 verse 1, that in the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Everybody in the land would look to Job as this person who just seemed to have it all together. He just seemed to be that, that superman, that one who could do everything and that to which nothing might be impossible. 
Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the story of Job, a man who, who had everything, lost everything, only to discover that, that nothing was his in the first place and that everything was worth value when it comes to a relationship with God. The lesson of Job teaches us all that, that we must recognize our place. As beloved children of God, we can always rely on his provision for our lives. Yet we must come to realize that ultimately we deserve nothing. God owes us nothing. Often we walk around this world acting as though we are entitled. Entitled to this or entitled to that. When in truth, Everything we possess, we possess because God allows it to. And all that we possess that is good, we possess because of the grace and mercy of God. Because after all, we have seen over decades and over centuries what humanity will do to something that is declared good. When left into our hands. This first chapter of Job is spent painting a picture of this golden boy, of this golden Job. Verse 1 says what we just read. And each one of those characteristics of Job is important because they become tools by which he would eventually use to overcome the tragedies that he faced. So they are characteristics that we should strive for. But they are characteristics that ultimately Job would come to realize meant nothing to him if he did not have a relationship with God. The scripture first tells us that Job was blameless. When, I, when we were growing up, uh, as a, when I was a grown up as a boy, I had a brother and a sister. And so you can imagine with uh, an older sister and a younger brother that that... Uh, Lent to a household of, of chaos, and we were all around four, you know, three or four years apart, and so we fought, and, and we had our, our days in which we probably drove my parents insane, made them want to medicate us um, in a lot of ways, a lot of different ways. We got our discipline. I already told you about that, and so when, 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 uh, when my parents would come home and they would find a mess or they would find something, uh, undoubtedly, we would always blame Chelsea. Now, Chelsea was not my sister. Chelsea was our Pomeranian. She was our dog. Uh, we would blame it on Chelsea. Now, some of this was in humor, but, but in actuality, we truly would, if, if there was uh, nothing, no one that could prove it, we always declared it Chelsea's fault. It was important for us to remain blameless. Even children today, uh, whether they have a Chelsea or not, will tend to blame things on other people. And, and we grow up to be uh, men and women who walk around not taking any ownership of the, the struggles in our lives, looking to blame others. It's important for us to look blameless, to look good, to look uh, perfect, if you will, in front of others. This I, the idea behind blameless that we find here in the text is much more than what... I've just explained. 
The blameless person in Scripture, as described here, is one who walks in close fellowship with God and delights in obeying the law or obeying the Word of God. It's much more than what my brother and sister and I ever meant by, by blaming the dog or, or claiming that someone else was responsible. You see, all we ever meant was that, that we were blameless, that, that we were, were not the ones who should get in trouble. We didn't deserve punishment. So in other words, all we sought to do was avoid punishment. The person who's blameless in Scripture is the person who wants to do more than just be uh, 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 free from guilt and innocent. They want to come closer to doing the will of God. They want to come closer to not only doing, being free from doing wrong, but they want to come closer to doing what is right. The one who is blameless in God's eyes is one who obeys not simply to avoid punishment, but to express service and loyalty to him. Our obedience should be based on an inward conviction, not an outward pressure to receive reward or commendation. Job was one that served wholeheartedly, and this earned him this attribute to be blameless. He, he was so in love with following God and that he appeared as one who was without blame. It's led in turn to the next attribute of declaring him upright. The word upright in Scripture depicts faithful adherence to, and in this instance, God's statutes or his, his uh, will or his desires. Along with that comes following God's instructions in, in an honest, compassionate manner in relating to others. Several times in the first two chapters of Job, God declares Job to be both blameless and upright. And then finally, Job was viewed not only by others, but by God as being righteous, which in Scripture is one of the most elevated characteristics that exists in a person. It's not thrown around very often. In fact, even in the New Testament, uh, we find often that the, uh, to be declared righteous is one of, the, again, the most elevated positions that one could aspire to. As, as often Paul referred to uh, Abraham and his righteous behavior. Even Ezekiel lists Job with, along with Noah and Daniel as the most righteous men of all times. So these attributes that could be accredited to Job are important. But the next two qualities mentioned were based upon not Job's characteristics, but his actions. The first one mentioned is that Job feared God. I'll stop here and explain an activity that I learned way back in college. Um, and I'm sure you've learned it or used it 
um, in different circumstances. But when I was in college, I took a, a course, a, a course in adventure programming. What that essentially was is uh, like kind of management of recreational facilities. It, it was uh, parks and recreation kind of, uh, of, of training. And so I took a course uh, in, in something uh, that advanced some of these ideas. And, and one of those things was we learned how to put together ropes course. And I don't know if you've ever uh, taken part of this. A lot of, uh, a lot of organizations will use this for team building exercises or, or, or uh, to build uh, camaraderie. And one of the most staple actions that we would use is the trust fall. Uh, you may have done this. You, you, you get somebody that stands behind you and, and you stand in front of them and you put your arms across your chest and you just fall back. Uh, you lock your legs and you fall back completely and totally abandoned. And you trust that that person behind you is going to catch you. Uh, in the ropes course, we would, we would elevate this a little bit and put a little bit more pressure. We would actually put somebody up on top of a, a, a big block about three or four feet off the ground and have them stand on the edge and again several spotters down at the bottom ready to catch them and again they would fall backwards completely abandoned now often a lot of times what people would do is bend their knees and stick their butt out which made things a little bit more difficult when it came to catching them but note it had nothing to do with those that were catching them it had to do with the trust that's what that activity does. It, it challenges whether or not that individuals trust you enough, trust the individuals that are standing there ready to catch them enough to completely lock their legs, close their eyes, and just fall back, trusting that the, those that are there to catch them will indeed catch them. A trust fall exercise illustrates this idea that we find here in the word of fear, fear of God. The individual stands again with their back ready to trust that those are, that are going to catch them will indeed. Here in the text, a similar kind of trust is needed because just as you, you fear hitting the ground, Many of us fear hitting a proverbial ground or a proverbial wall, if you will, in life. We kind of wander around wondering where and when things, life is going to catch up with us and things are going to get difficult. But you see, Job had a kind of love and trust in his relationship with God that he knew that he would always catch him. It comes from his devout love with God. He approaches God reverently, filled with awe and deeply conscious of God's contagious love. In Job's daily life, he expresses his fear by striving to please God in faithful obedience, which is inspired by love. The word tells us that Job shuns all enticements of wrongdoing and never places his trust in any other idol or thing. He, he places his trust in nothing except God and God alone. It tells us that he even in verse 1, as Job chapter 1 verse says, that he shunned evil. 
He turned away from anything that was not of God. Job had a pure heart and a dynamic faith in God. And God confirms Job's trust by blessing him abundantly. But he was the guy that could handle that. Job did not grow overconfident or distracted by all that he possessed. Verse 5 points out that, that he even, in spite of overwhelming positive character, he offered sacrifices continually. I mean, here's a guy who we're told avoids doing wrong and yet still goes to the altar to sacrifice. Whether it was for future sins or, or the sins that uh, his uh, brother had committed, it, it's really obsolete. The important, uh, important truth here in this part of the text is that he approaches the altar knowing that no matter how much he draws towards God, he can never get close enough. So he comes with a sacrificial heart. He approaches life with a sacrificial heart, a servant's heart. Job was by far a golden boy with a golden character, but it will get tested in the toughest ways. Chapter 1 details the emergence of Satan, who acts as Job's troublemaker, looking to challenge the character and devotion of Job. Satan doubted whether any person would fear or respect God for no reason. Some think God and Satan kind of entered into a wager, but note there's no stakes here. There's no if this, then that. The single issue at stake was to define the true motivation of Job's upright behavior. What was motivating him to respect and fear and trust God so intently? Was it coming from something outside of Job or was it coming from uh, deep within his character? Deep within what it meant to be known as a lover of God. What will Job do in the face of, of loss is, is the ultimate question that faces us within all of these texts. The question we have for ourselves at one time or another is, is our faith going to stand in the face of great trial? And tribulation? Are we going to crumble under pressure? Are we going to be able to stand the tests that are ahead? As a church, are we going to stand firm in the faith that we have put and the trust that we have put in, in coming here into a, a, a new church and a new location, into a new mission field, into a new ministry that God has called us to? Because there will be trials. We, we've proven that today. There are going to be difficulties. Everything's not going to just fall down and lay in our laps. Job's character is important. And it helps him through all the trials. But it's his realization of who God is and his recognition of his place 
that ultimately gets him through the trials to come. Let's face it, Job being blameless is not going to help him when he loses his possessions. His, his characteristics of being upright and, and being without uh, wrongdoing or being righteous are not going to help him when he loses his children and he loses his wife. It's only going to be the trust, the fear of God in his life. His trust in God that will get him through whatever storm. It's his personal relationship with God that will get him through everything he faces. Look at Job chapter 1, verse 21. I didn't include this in our text reading this morning. But later in chapter 1, verse 21, the second part, it says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. This is Job speaking. He, right before he says this, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. And then he goes on to say, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now in my text, and I'm sure yours, the word there, Lord, is in all caps. We're taught in scripture that when we find that uh, notation, it was the name of God. That again, Hebrews very rarely uh, attributed to God because it was supposed to be such a holy name that to, to say it, without any kind of true motivation, was blasphemous. And so if we ever find this notation in Scripture, we can trust that, that who is mentioned here is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, God Almighty. It's not any other kind of God. It is the one and only God. It's the personal name for God. It's the one that we find all the way back in, in, in Exodus when, when Moses approaches the burning bush and God first appears to Job and he says, I am that I am. So what do we take from this? We, we take the truth that when, when Job speaks of God, he speaks of a personal God. He speaks the personal name of God. He has an intense relationship with God that goes beyond just the little G. I mean the little G, God. Having entered the world with nothing, he realizes he would not take anything with him. Look, in this time and period, we still had pharaohs and kings and, and, and individuals that would die and they would build these tombs. And just like there's been this new, uh, uh, new finding I read in, in the news a couple of weeks ago that um, the, the, king, uh, the, the pharaoh, uh, King Tut, uh, they, in his tomb they have found uh, uh, these special hidden chambers that they believe you know, uh, might have contained different... Uh, different uh, um, uh, kings or different authorities. And so uh, in that time you had, in those ancient times, you had people build these tombs and they, and, and they didn't just put the body there. They would put all their possessions because they believed that, 
they were going to take those possessions with them into the afterlife. And so they had to have it all close to them. And I don't fully know all the ancient uh, beliefs, but I, I can tell you this. Job didn't believe that when he died, he was taking anything with him. He believed the life he had here on this earth and, and everything he had in it was not his. He, he had no ownership. Is this the kind of realization that we have? Do we realize that the possessions, that the, the things, that, that, that all this that we have is, is not ours? It's, it doesn't belong to us. Job professes that the God who had given him all the, his wealth had, had, had the right to take it away. The key to Job's complete trust in God's will was that he assumed no inherent right to his possessions. He recognized that all he had, he had because God allowed it. He was so gracious for God's provision that he needed absolutely nothing to be thankful. Again, it was his devotion to God and his relationship with him that was the only thing of strong value. And it shows. When you allow yourself to focus solely on what really matters, it's easier to prioritize your life. When you put forth that which is truly valuable, everything else becomes trivial. Job was able to do this, but he will get pushed to his limits. Job will go on to fall into great depression. He, he's not without struggle. Verse 8 points out in chapter 2 that he is sitting among the ashes which is a reference to a place in, in town where, where an outcast would go to mourn. And in the very next verse, his depression and his struggle starts to even affect his relationships. It says that he and his wife kind of go back and forth. It says in verse 9, his wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Even the closest person to him, is his wife, starts to question, Hey, why are you still having faith in this God that's supposed to protect you? How would you respond if your spouse challenged your relationship with God? It says verse 10 that he replies, Job replies, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? I'm sure that didn't make her very happy kind of feeling she has, I'm sure they entered into a great debate. How often do trials and troubles cause us to, to fall into arguments and, to, and cause strife in the relationships that we have? The hurdles that we face in life, that's often when we, when we find our relationships with uh, the people around us starting to, to be tested, starting to be crumbled. We start to find out who is really for us and who is really against us who is really sharing the, the, the same passions that we share but even through it all Job remains 
firm. He was able to trust that no matter how far he fell, God would not allow him to hit the ground. Note we read earlier that that God told Satan that no matter what you do to him, you can't take his life. Now that might not seem like a lot to us because we think everything that Job went through, maybe it would have been better if he'd have just died. Sometimes in life we get to that point. We wonder if it's even worth living, if, if life is even worth living. But, but, but think of this. If Job had given up and Job had been taken away from us and his life had been taken, what kind of testimony would we have today of Job? We would have none. It was because he stood that test. And we're going to note this next week and then the week following. What exactly takes place with Job? And how he stands that, that firm test. And what that all means and what his testimony would come to mean, not only to us thousands of years later, but to, to those who have stood the test of time thousands of years and have gone to this text and read this text and the story of Job and the testimony that he had that, that no matter what he endured, he remained faithful in his relationship with God. We're even going to see his relationship with God get tested. And he's going to even struggle with a conscience of faith. And, and there's even that question that even some come to debate today of whether or not, God, or whether or not Job ever cursed God or whether he, he ever uh, got angry with God. Well, I'll go and tell you, he gets angry with God. I'll go and spoil the story. He gets angry with God. But to be angry with somebody is to acknowledge a relationship. So one thing we do know is that God, uh, that Job never leaves that relationship with God. But no matter how rocky it might get, he still remains firm in his steadfast trust that no matter what would befall him, God would not take his life. God would protect him and spare his life. An activity where person gets up on a box and falls back, a trust fall activity. It's a metaphor for life that, again, we're going to fall. And the struggle in that fall, I mean, you know, when we actually have that activity in front of us, there's nothing but air in between the person who's standing there and when they actually reach the, the, those that are spotting, those that are catching them. But in life, there's a lot of things that hit us on the way down. And there's a lot of things that that we struggle with, and Job is going to go through all of this. But just like the activity where, where there are those that catch us in our lives, there, there is a God that loves us so much that no matter how far we fall, he's not going to let us lose the promise of everlasting life if we have a relationship with him. For today, I want you to be challenged by the character of Job that he built, not, not on his merit, but through a devout relationship that he had with God. Know what it means to aim to live a life that is blameless and upright. But most importantly, 
develop a, a, a fear and a trust in God that, that throws you at his feet and keeps you far from the influences that cause us trouble. Trust that he will catch us whenever we fall. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we close this morning, we close a little bit challenged knowing that, that Job's character is going to be challenged and knowing that our character very often in this world is challenged, that we experience trials and, and struggles and and yet we, we see from the testimony of Job's life, of his relationship with God, that because he had such a relationship, he was able to, to have a testimony thousands of years later that can be studied, that can be encouraged, that can be useful Lord, that's what we hope our testimony will become, useful. Useful in reaching the lives of those in this community and around this world that, that don't know what a relationship with God can, can do. How there is a God that loves us enough to catch us. Knowing that there is a God that despite all the entitlement and all the sin and all of the struggle that we might have inflicted on ourselves because of grace and because of mercy and because he sent his son Jesus Christ we have an opportunity to experience everlasting life to experience hope hope that one day all will be restored and that no matter how far we fall, we have a hope, an anticipation of an everlasting life to look forward to. Father, help us for when we fall victim to the moments of feeling as though life is supposed to be perfect. Feeling as though we are owed. Help us to live a life of the servant's heart. A life willing to accept the offering that Jesus made. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.